it's going to be a wild ride. So buckle yourselves in. Hello and welcome to Stramash, the Scottish NFL podcast. Week four is in the history books. We've had the first of three London games, the first of five European ones. And it was uh, a bit shit, but never mind, we'll get into it because everyone was singing Sweet Caroline, so we all had a good day, didn't we? We are going to look back at all of week four, though, and pick apart all the pieces. To do that with me, Gordon McGuinness, Ian Stephen. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. I do, I've got a pretty important... Uh, question. Yeah. To to begin this uh, podcast. Well, when a man and a woman fall in love, Gordon. Uh... <laughs> well, I'll I'll do it in the uh, in the form of song song lyrics. Father, Father, help us. Send some guidance from above, because people got me questioning. Where is Charles Patterson? Every time the Packers get beat or get humbled, and they got bloody humbled on Thursday night, he's nowhere to be seen. Posted missing. It, it is disgusting. Um, to be fair to Paul, Paul is usually here. Um, his saints got gubbed, though. And, you know, an awkward conversation because Derek Carr scored as many touchdowns in four quarterbacks that Jameis Winston scored in two. So, you know, it's uh, slightly awkward, right? Uh, well, and he's got well, other plans tonight. Well, <laughs> it's not... It's not every week that the friends of Chairman Mao have a, an open lecture in Edinburgh, and he's he's popped along to show his support, nay, his solidarity. Um, so that's where he is tonight. And Jamie, I mean, Jamie's got a free pass because he's doing a stellar job out in Paris trying to figure out the permutations it's going to take for Scotland to progress in the Rugby ja- World Jamie's Cup. Are, Jamie's a wounded warrior. Jamie has actually suffered in the NFL. It'd be a career threatening injury. So um, we genuinely wish Jamie all the best and hope he's okay. Yes, indeed. Ho- uh, hopefully someone else is cutting open his baguettes for him. Yeah, I was just going to say there's been an incident with a knife and a baguette uh, and he ultimately saw the, the team doctor of the Scottish rugby team. But still, he continues. Um, thankfully, it's like, it's, it's like Jamie was saying to himself, how can I make my injury as, as culturally insensitive as possible? <laughs> well, I can't, I'm not going to mess around with frog's legs or baguette. Yeah, that would really show those French. So let's go back to Thursday Night Football, first of all. Let's start with... Uh, Charles Parsons, Green Bay Packers, because much was said about that comeback against the Saints. Much blame was laying upon the shoulders of Jameis Winston. And I need to commend you, Gordon. I thought you did a stellar job of wading through the the nonsense uh, in the last episode. I thought you cut through it perfectly, like a warm knife through butter. Through a baguette and Jamie's hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh god but anyway on they went and up against the rubbish terrible detroit lions they came um may a culpa by the way they're actually pretty good like i think yeah, they are. i think any, Jar- jared goff's playing really well to start the season i think ben johnson's definitely gonna be a head coach in the nfl next year like I, caveat they are a step below the cowboys and the 49ers and if that comes back to bite me then so be it but I mean, right now they're probably the third best team in the NFC. Uh, no, sorry, Hutch- fourth. Eagles. Hutch- I forgot the Eagles. Hutchinson's looking fantastic at defensive end as well, and it's making Jacksonville's decision to take Walker ahead of him just look incredibly questionable. The whole thing does seem to be working right now. Now they came up against the Packers, and they they came out the traps absolutely flying again. Green Bay threatened briefly to come back in the second half again. However, it was stifled out pretty quick. You're right. Like it, first half in particular, the the Packers were atrocious. They weren't just bad; they were absolutely atrocious. Uh, Jordan Love, you know, 246 yards for one touchdown, two interceptions. Lots of people on social media bringing out stats, comparing them to Rodgers and stuff like that. And I guess fine. Do you know what? The stats might look similar. There's not an awful lot of green shoots there, though, right now as we stand. Um, and maybe that will come back to bite me on the butt. But other than a few flashes, a- across a full game, we've yet to see him really do anything that makes us think he's going to be the future of that franchise. Yeah, I think the like his raw stats the first two weeks kind of flattered him a little bit. I think there was a lot of schematic stuff there um, from the, the Packers' offense. 
and then the last couple of weeks, like I actually don't think he's been turnovers aside this week against the Lions. I don't think he's been much worse as a player overall the past two weeks versus the first two weeks. It's just that you get the the support of your teammates, your you know the scheme helps a little bit, and and other ones you know and all those things it suddenly goes against you. David Montgomery never beats the Packers when he's at the Bears for four years. Leaves, goes to Detroit, beats them in the first game, has 121 yards and three touchdowns as well as he absolutely stuck it to them. Yeah. Have the Bears screwed up big time and letting him go? No. Okay. I actually <laughs> thought you'd say that. But yeah. Surprise, surprise. I don't. I mean, so where it does, though, allow me to get back on my lion's hating horse here. Jameer Gibbs at 12 overall. Like, this is a good team. Could you have taken another player there that might have helped you against the Philadelphias, the San Francisco's, the Dallas's? Maybe just. You know, instead, you've got a running back that you're giving the ball to eight times, a quarter of the times that you're giving it to the guy you signed as a free agent. It it did feel like the first game we thought, ooh, we're going to see him more and more being utilised, but that doesn't seem to be the case. But I wonder whether that's because plan A is working and he's been brought in as a bit of a plan B option. But right now, they're not needing to even lean on that because it's it's going pretty well so far. It was interesting how the Lions defined why they chased after those four players in the early rounds that aren't prime draft positions. And they were talking about these are guys that were competitive, that they wanted to play, they had desire, et cetera, et cetera. And it's something that's really difficult to isolate during the draft process yep. because all the players are now coached so well by external agencies on how to go through the interview process. Their actual coaches and teammates don't really talk them down from college. So it's difficult to actually ascertain are you getting the real deal with gauging a person's personality or are you just getting fluff? And if they think that that's what they were definitely getting, you could see why they wanted to go for them because they're kind of Dan Campbell's a reflection of his personality. You bring in four guys who are four good ball, four good football players, it makes sense. It doesn't make sense from a business perspective four years down the line because you're looking at premium contracts for non-premium positions but in the next four years if they've got these guys that help contribute towards Detroit success and success for Detroit is winning a playoff game that is success for Detroit in the grand scheme of things at the moment if that happens then bringing them in has been a quantifiable success for I, the franchise I, I will also say Loved at the the second round picks of Laporta and Brian Branch. I think were great picks. Like Laporta leads all tight ends in yards. He's on pace for over a thousand. Um, I think I'm quickly adding that up on my whatever Texas Scramble calculator, whatever it was you said I had. Um, and Brian Branch like is having you know he's like arguably the the best slot cornerback in the NFL through the first few weeks of the season. It's just when you look at after Jameer Gibbs, you look at you know who who they could have taken. There's Emmanuel Forbes at cornerback that could have been one of their picks there. You know they, I get it. It's one of those things whereby you like you like what the player can do, and also like for all the running back hate and stuff like that. Like if you can get a running back, it is a cost controlled contract for four years. Realistically, five. They did. Fifth year option isn't the isn't a debilitating thing in terms of contracts. So like I I have kind of softened my opinion on running backs high up in the draft, probably like late first and second round. I'm now like, do you know what? Chase those high value athletes, Bijan Robinson aside, because I think we all knew he was going to be top five running back the day he stepped into the NFL. I just think 12's, 12 was rich for Gibbs. I think there's, from a team building perspective, move down, you know, you could have got him probably a bit later in the first round. Um, but anyway, I, they they are getting yeah. a good contribution from, if you flip their, I remember saying this at the time, if you flip their draft around and you said Brian Branch at 12, uh, and take Laporte or Campbell like mid first round, I think that's fine. And then Gibbs in the second round and the other one of those in the second round, you'd look at that and be like, oh, wow, that's a good draft. Like, we are obviously very, obs or I am, and people who work in industries like me are obsessed with the value idea. And sometimes you do have to draft based on how you think other NFL teams are going to draft. 
we move on to the first of the London games, the Falcons against the Jaguars. Um, the Jags looked decent, looked pretty good. The Falcons didn't really have much. There wasn't much of a contest there. Um, I think the ultimate victory, though, was the NFL and Disney Plus with their brilliant player, take. Player of the game was uh, Slinky. Yes. Without, without tremendous I've, job. I it was an unusual way to watch it, but genuinely brilliant. And I saw so many videos on social media of dads watching with their kids uh, and them all enjoying the football together. And that's exactly what it's for. Oops, throw my pen around. Um, exactly what it's for. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was really well done, really clever. It was a few seconds behind, obviously, because there's a bit of effort around it, but really, really good. I thought them having their own commentary team was really great because they did a good job of cutting between what was actually happening on the field and then what was happening in the representation. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, the crowd was decent. They were singing Sweet Caroline. That seemed to have made some uh, headlines in the US, personally. I know I'm a curmudgeon when it comes to this, but I think that all the chat that I've seen is like, oh, the European soccer atmosphere at the NFL. No one other than the England national team where they also blow trumpets are singing Sweet Caroline during any sporting event. That is not the European soccer but experience. This, but this is this is what Americans think they think European sport and culture is. Do you see the Americans at the at the Ryder Cup this past week and it was like some absolute nonsense like chant or song being interviewed and it went on for like two minutes. And you're just looking at it being like, well, this you are the reason why your country lost this weekend because the players heard this and they just died with cringe to the point that they could no longer play. That's my favorite is the clip of uh I want to say it's the Seattle Sounders. Yeah. It's like this American guy flag and it's something like fight to win. <laughs> like it's not just that he pauses for five seconds and looks to the crowd with pride that he's leading them in this chant and then he'll he does it again. <laughs> it's really bad. It's all cringe. It's all cringe. Just please come to come to lower level Scottish football and hear the chants. I promise you they're not fight to win. No. No, I want things. I want proper things. I want something like at the Bills game. I want Alan. Oh, Alan. Oh, he throws a spiral ball and digs his 10 foot tall. Alan. Oh, and I'd, I'd buy you've into got, that. You've got to get some profanity in there as well. It's not like <laughs> West West Ham when they won the whatever. I, I can't remember. In the name, but... your Florida slums. You're raking the bucket for something to eat. You find a dead gator and think it's a treat in your Florida slums. Let's do some of that. I'm all for it. Yeah, I mean, you're you're you've spent too much time around Americans. Also, don't let Paul hear you insulting Floridians. He'll be very upset. It's only certain parts of Florida. Um, anyway, anyway, the game it was fine. It was the Jaguars are all right. The yeah. Desmond Ritter is not it. So, no, no, no. The 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 Atlanta are the prime team for by at the end of this year we're gonna dig up the tweets of all the teams who immediately leaked to reporters were not interested in Lamar Jackson. Because as much as I love Bijan Robinson, there's not a single person on the planet right now who would tell you you would rather have Bijan Robinson and a first round pick next year plus Desmond Ritter over Lamar Jackson. I'm trying to figure out as well when the Falcons actually flew into London. I think they came in just two days <laughs> was before. It, was it about 4pm on Sunday? Yeah. Well, so, like, Ritter, he's already a rookie quarterback that hasn't necessarily been playing well, and then he's got to play with jet and he looked jet-lagged, like, ridiculously jet-lagged. That's just, just so how he's looked all year, though. I know. He's, not, he's, <laughs> he's so dreadful. Um, I was surprised to see him see out the game. That was the other thing as well. Taylor Heineke is not a terrible quarterback. But that's so, but that like that again, ranting about teams in the draft, like you, Taylor Heineke was a second round pick, I think, maybe a third round pick from the year before. You you could have drafted a quarterback in the second, the third round or something and had another option. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. he not the guy that's dating Travis Kelsey? <laughs> have I got that wrong? <laughs> Um, I don't know. I've not been following that coverage. There's not been enough. Oh, of it. I've got, I've got my favourite thing on this though. There is the single best that I, I know that we probably have people who are like, don't want to hear anything about the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey stuff. One, 
just let people enjoy things people being me too the best the best thing though is the conspiracy theory on why they, why she went to the jets game right okay. i've not seen this no so if you were to have googled in the past taylor swift jets you would have found out that she allegedly is one of the worst carbon polluters based on using her private jet to fly she goes to the chiefs jets game and now anytime someone searches Taylor Swift Jets, it's just populated with loads of stories about Taylor Swift going to the Jets game. <laughs> if if that's true, that's genius. That is ge- like evil genius type stuff. Evil, like if instead of world domination, you're looking just to change some SEO. Somebody posted <laughs> somebody posted a list of how long all of her relationships lasted. And she had a, kind of, a fairly long list. And kind of each gentleman lasted maybe about three months. Including people like Harry Styles and Jake Gyllenhaal. Am I getting that right? Um, but the last person she was with for like six years or whatever seems to be the outlier. So it's not looking good for Travis <laughs> also, at the moment. Also, like she's what what age? She's like of of an age whereby like that's quite normal, right? Like yeah. a lot of us when we were younger had shorter relationships, and then you meet someone, you stay together for a while. Like that's yeah, but she had about twelve. That's a fair amount. Is, I don't think there's anything like. I don't, know, any... I don't know how old she is. Uh, She's thirty three. Yeah, uh, I was married. I was married by thirty three. That's all I'm saying. I'm thirty seven and I'm not married. So. I'm not. I'm not passing judgment oh, on her. I'm just saying, Travis, mate, you've got until it's three months. You've got until the end of football season, then it's over. <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> But they sw- oh, God. I was watching. I was watching the game, and they switched up to the booth, and you saw her clinking glasses. Where was Ryan Reynolds there, and all these people kind of in the booth were a celebrity thing. And I just went, right, okay, the Chiefs are the most hated team in the NFL right now. Notice because you've got that. I can understand how the, you've got that razzmatazz of the celebrity being attached to anything. But if you look at the Formula One and they do the grid walk in the Formula One, some people really hate the celebrities that are there just because they're and celebrities they and, and they're not, <laughs> yeah. they don't really know what's going on. And there's a lot of hatred that pours in for that. And I think for, for the Chiefs being a very small, low market franchise, um, they're suddenly going to... People already don't like them because of the Super Bowl winners. That's what happens. You win the Super Bowl, people don't like you. And then they're adding on this celebrity glitz. They're they're just a rung below the Cowboys at the moment and are possibly more favourably viewed upon than the Patriots. On that, the uh, on Monday Night Football, uh, and an advert came up for some kind of Taylor Swift thing in the stadium and the Giants fans all booed. The Giants fans, the Giants who allowed 11 sacks and got absolutely decimated by the Seahawks. But on you go, boys, be upset about Taylor <laughs> Swift. That's that's who you need to boo there, not not your offense. No, no, it's fine. My particular favorite tweet, and I don't think it's necessarily true because he was fine, but my particular tweet of this was um, someone was enjoying the fact that there would be people at MetLife going to the first ever NFL game that have come away thinking that Zach Wilson is a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes because <laughs> it's the only football they've ever seen. So, you know, there's well, the saving I've, grace. I've had to I've had to call out the official uh, Kansas City Chiefs Twitter account uh, claiming that Pat Mahomes was the fastest ever to get to 200 touchdowns. This was in the back of last week's podcast when they were erroneously talking about other statistics that were mangled. And he wasn't the fastest to get to 200 touchdowns. It was Dan Marino. And the reason why is because the Kansas City Chiefs have forgotten in 2021, the regular season expanded to 17 games. So he's actually one game slower than Dan Marino. Dan Marino is still the fastest. Wait, is it not Mm. a game? Is it not in games though? If yes. it's in games, is it not the same? Nope, one less. Well, you've got to remember okay. that you've got to remember that. Um, so there's two seasons, so that they're technically kind of tied in terms of if you looked at it, he's four games into his seventh season, so it looks like they're technically kind of tied, but it's not. It's because of the two extra games. I checked. Okay, Preston. That's fine. I, I, can, I, phoned, I, I that phoned Gordon's listen, furiously at that calculator. I phoned no, Dan up. Is that right, Dan? Nineteen eighty-three. You know, we know lovely guy. When it comes to protecting his records, Dan's really accessible. Right into the main games then, and let's start off as we're talking about quarterback records. Which I'm going to test you. Which record 
could Derek Carr break in 2023 and then complete and never be beaten in 2024, in theory? Is it Icky Breaky Heart? It's not Icky Breaky Heart. I think of the records that Paul would have um, that Derek Carr could break. Is it something to do with... Is it something to do with number of yards without making the playoffs? No. It's to I'll, I'll tell you what it is. So no quarterback has ever lost to 30 different NFL teams. Hang on. No one's lost to 31 is what it is. Sorry. Um, so a few have lost to 30, including but, Derek Carr. Fitzpatrick must be on that list, surely. Uh, it might well be. Matt Ryan's pretty high up that list as well. But there is only two teams that Derek Carr hasn't lost to. It is the Carolina Panthers, who, of course, the Saints played twice this year. So that would be Team 31 if he lost to them. The next year, the Saints will play the Raiders, which could, in theory, be Team 32. And he could be the first quarterback in NFL history to lose to every single team. But he's not Jameis Winston, so it's okay. <laughs> no touchdowns in, in a whole game. The Saints were rotten. Uh, Tampa Bay, Baker Mayfield, let's give him some bloody credit here, right? Playing really well. 246 yards, three touchdowns, fine one interception. The Buccaneers are favourites to win that division now. Is, is Baker Mayfield effectively in that Geno Smith, Daniel Jones... Level of quarterback whereby, look, I'm not, I'm not willing to pay you the fifty-five million dollars that it costs to pay a quarterback these days, but I'm going to give you that thirty million dollar contract because actually, if there's a decent system around you, if there's good playmakers around you, which obviously he has in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, you're actually probably good enough to get me to the playoffs, especially in the NFC. Like that, that's how it feels like here. And that, to be fair, that kind of has always felt like him a bit. Like in Cleveland, you know, he was set up for success early and was pretty good. And then when things started to go wrong around him, things went very wrong. And I think ultimately, like the Browns might have been better off keeping him than building around him versus what they've done. (laughs) Indeed. Um, It's interesting. I mean, he's like you say, he's got talent. But they're playing really well, uh, and they are. We all had the Saints as the favourites in that division. I think we'd all yep. written the Bucks off a lot, and I think we were probably unfair because we do need to remember last year it wasn't the best of Brady that we saw, uh, and they were still obviously the team in that division. So it's definitely very, very interesting. Um, out of the other. I think what you're seeing a lot in the, uh, the start of the season so far, Cameron, is one team a look one one week a team looks like a world beater, and the next team next week they look like a dud. And it's there's only three or four teams with actual consistency of performance, and the others are really struggling to do that. Yep. And speaking of, it's a beautiful segue into the Miami Dolphins, who went from fifty point winners to um, twenty eight point losers, uh, and looked nothing uh, a shadow of the team that they were. It's I know I know why. Why? Uh, because the Buffalo Bills showed up and played defense, and the Broncos didn't. So yeah, they, it wasn't they were just, actually there. Yeah, it wasn't just playing defense, but they played all eleven players on defense working together in effect, so that the Bills tried really hard to take away the first read of um, Tua. Tua's hit his first read on eighty percent of his passes got into the the Buffalo game, highest in the NFL. So his first read's always there, and so they worked really hard on affecting that receiver coming off the line. And a lot of it was time was using the, um, a linebacker would maybe kick out and get his hands on them. There was a couple of times where there was contact still 10 yards down the field and the officials were a bit liberal when it came to letting that away. And by the time Tua got onto his second read, there was enough pressure coming from the Bills line that, Started moving him off his spot. Started putting pressure on him, and he wasn't—he wasn't comfortable. He didn't like it, and it was a really good defensive performance by the Bills. The Bills. Yeah. I I am taking a mini victory lap in the Bills just now because coming into the season, I thought they were disrespected in relation to the the Bengals and the Chiefs. 
Like it felt like we forgot that heading into last season, we thought they were going to be the team that went in the Super Bowl. We've seen them go toe to with the Chiefs numerous times. And at the end of last season, they had like a near tragedy happen on the field. And it obviously took it out of them. You could see at that point that, you know, the players weren't in it the end of the season after everything that had happened. So Josh Allen, after the first week of the season where they just, the game plan should have just been run the ball every down and let Zach Wilson win the game for us on the other side, has looked really good. Um, and this week, I think, was his best week of the season so far. The, the Bills look like one of the best teams in the NFL again. Yes, absolutely. Um, there's not a weakness in that team. It's I, and I talked about the run game, but the they they've improved that. They definitely have. Uh, they feel there's a lot of people talking about the Niners as like the most complete team, and I think that the Bills are more complete than the Niners are, um, just purely because of the secondary. Um, the San Francisco secondary is a bit. Well, and they they have just lost Tredavious White, I think. Yeah, I'm assuming it's out for the season because I think it's an Achilles injury for him as well. Um, but the the difference between them and San Francisco is quarterback. Like, yes, they they have a quarterback who, when things break down, can go and make plays. And then the playoff, you know, we everyone often talks about we'd rather Josh Allen doesn't take as many hits as he takes. And I think that's absolutely fine. But when you get in the playoffs. That's the type of thing that can separate you a bit. Yeah. The the Bills got a lot of credit in the uh, award nominations. We'll come to that in just a minute. A couple of other headlines, obviously, the Broncos. The Bears, we thought, oh, the Bears are going to win a game. 21 points in the second quarter. And then they just managed to get something else in the third and then didn't bother and got just embarrassed, let's be honest, by the Broncos. Um who I honestly can't believe. I mean, for Justin Fields, stuff, 335 yards, four touchdowns, one interception, and lose the game by three is just mad. Absolutely my, mad. My takeaway from that game, though, is if you are playing fantasy football, daily fantasy football, if you're perhaps having a flutter in some kind of prop bet at any unnamed establishment, <laughs> pick, pick people that are going against the Broncos defense because it's historically bad. Yeah. They just they just cut Randy Gregory because they don't like how he's been playing. They're, they're it's it's really tough to see how the Broncos are successful. Kind of like especially when they've got Russell Wilson's contract and stuff like that, and they traded all the picks to get him, and then they traded for a head coach. Like you're going to have to spend a lot in free agency on defense to to fix some things here. You're going to need to get a new coordinator. Because that defense, like, in today's NFL, you should be able to just be like, Do you know what, we're just going to be good on offense, we're going to score enough points. That Denver defense, if I, if you told me today that the Broncos offense scored 35 points, I'd maybe put their chances of winning the game at 40, 40 to 45% if they scored 35. Because <laughs> I'm just going to assume they're going to give up 30 plus points. And here's the thing, that offense is not good enough to be consistently hitting 35 points a week. It just isn't. Like, there's just not enough depth or talent on it it's... also Marv, Marvin Mims like this is parody at this point Marvin Mims for uh, the for the Broncos second round pick this year he has 242 yards on 9 receptions and he's been targeted 11 times all those numbers like that average 26.9 yards per reception massively like unsustainable right that has to come down he's been on the field for 43 snaps 39 of them 43 passing snaps 39 of them as a receiver if you've got a guy who's averaging 26.9 yards a catch and your offense isn't good maybe play the guy a bit more than <laughs> maybe than yeah. less than 10 snaps a game yeah uh ian how broken are the bengals it looks like it's just Burrows is broken, really. I mean, so is he, is he completely him. broken? It's the NFL's smoke and mirrors around players' injuries. You're never going to find out how bad it is until after the season when he suddenly has to go for surgery on something. Yeah. It, it, I mean, the fall off is astronomical. 
like to have been so good. Uh, and let's be honest, there's a bunch of quarterbacks got paid over the summer, and the fall off of the, this, the, him and Daniel Jones, the Daniel Jones one, we kind of maybe expected could happen. This Joe Burrow one is quite something. It has to be injury, right? Because they are stinking. It is like injuries playing a huge part in it, but the like the scheme hasn't been good. They haven't developed that offense. I don't think this year at all, based on where it was last year. And it's the NFL defenses catch up. But the big thing for me is that he injured his hamstring early in training camp. You knew that would be a six-week injury. You knew that potentially it was going to keep him out at the start of the season or he'd be limited. One, why didn't you upgrade your backup quarterback situation? Two, why didn't you make accommodations in your offensive game plan? Like, he's hit the start of the season. He's been hurt. He's clearly hurt. The offense now appears to be like loads of Bengals fans are tweeting about how the offensive line's only given up this number of sacks and last season they gave up this. It's because they're getting the ball out like half a second quicker than they have before because the offense is Joe Burrow drops back to pass, launches the ball quickly. When he's throwing the ball downfield or on um, outbreaking routes, it looks awful because he can't get everything in his throat. And he's going to be fine long term, but it just like they they should win this week against the Cardinals, but their schedule is brutal in the next couple of weeks. If they don't get this right quickly, it's a lost season. Yeah, I, I mean, let's look. This division is surprisingly trashy, and you must be rubbing your hands together with glee because the Ravens scored two and a half times the points scored by the rest of the league put together this weekend. There they can't were, be many times that's happened. They were pre- they were pretty good, but the caveat I think with the Ravens is that they played CJ Stroud in his very first NFL game, so that helps. They played an injured Joe Burrow. They yeah. then lost to Gardner Minshew. Probably should have won, but fine. They then beat Dorian Thompson Robinson, who my my Dorian Thompson Robinson starts for the Browns this season at some point because the Sean Watson gets bench take is on fire right now. <laughs> Like the bin has been set on fire because he was atrocious. Again, though, like that was a bin fire of a situation in Cleveland because Kevin Stefanski this week has come out and said that Deshaun Watson was cleared, but he said, I don't feel right, I'm not going to play, which fair enough, players have this play, players have that right to to know their own bodies and all those things, but they spent the whole week game planning for Deshaun Watson playing found out in the day he wasn't going to be able to play. So they just went into the game into the game with the same game plan with a fifth round rookie at quarterback. Like, that's not good coaching. No. So, but the, the Ravens look really good on defense. They're doing they're doing a lot of really cool stuff on offense that I like. Ian, I, so this will be a this will be a visual aid, but I'll send you the tweet, Cameron, so you can actually tweet this. Okay. Maybe as a as a reply to the to the podcast. Ian, I wanted to get your your thoughts on if you'd seen this, but the Lamar Jackson 10-yard touchdown run on Sunday. Uh, what they did was the so it's counter bash, counter being taken. Uh, this is not for Ian's benefits for anyone that doesn't know. A lot of people might. Uh, when you're taking two blockers from the backside of the play, pulling round. So what they do is what they did was they brought Zay Flowers in motion. They fake the handoff to Zay Flowers, and then they bring. I think it was the centre and the tackle. Yeah, centre and right tackle. They bring them round to lead Lamar Jackson through the hole. At the point where Lamar Jackson fakes the ball to Zay Flowers, who's come from, I think, the slot all the way over, the point where he pulls the ball and starts to take the ball himself, six Browns defenders in the box, like linebackers and safeties, had all taken a step and a half, two steps to the wrong side. So all of a sudden, you've now got an opening, you've got leverage, you've got your two big offensive linemen running through the hole, and you've got possibly the best, the possibly the best runner in the NFL at any position with the ball in his hands. I just think that was really cool play design. I think they're they're doing some for all the talk of Todd Munkin was going to come in and he was going to revolutionize their passing game, the running game's been really good as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, motion in the passing game is primarily an indicator for the quarterback to know what the coverage is going to be just before the snap. It makes sure that smaller receivers can get jammed at the line of scrimmage. But when it's a run play, it creates the attention of 
defenders were not disciplined. So if you were one of the elite linebackers in the NFL, you'd be reading the two linemen that are pulling in the counter, and that would be your key to attack. So those guys weren't disciplined with their eyes, and if you have six of them following one man going in motion, then that is something that needs to be coached out on defence quite. Yeah. Or, or you just don't have the instincts to play the position. Um, what about the Eagles then, Ian? Were you worried? I mean, the numbers-wise, the numbers look really good, but the commanders played really well as well. Any cause of concern there, or are you quite pleased to see the character to get it done in overtime? I don't think the Eagles have played what the fans would refer to a good game for the opening four games of the season, but they're still undefeated. So it's a sign of a good team to be able to win when you're not firing in all cylinders. But the Redskins decided to do the opposite of the Vikings and try and take the run away. And the, the who? Well, whatever they're called. <laughs> um, and uh, the totally lost my train of thought now. Um, uh, yeah, the, not played a good game, Cameron's, still winning. Cameron's a twat. Uh, <laughs> the commanders. So yeah, the Viking the, the Vikings only played like three down linemen. The Eagles ran all over them and Washington decided to try and stop the run a bit more. And AJ Brown, they just forgot about him completely. So um the the Eagles are suffering a little bit with injury, especially in the secondary. Uh, but that's not an excuse so many other teams are, but it's maybe a reason why. They have some travails and some issues, but um, I, you can. I don't think you can ever complain being four and zero. But there's still, it's good that you've got room for improvement, and if you get the coaching staff that can take that and improve upon it. One of the interesting things is the play of Jalen Carter so far this season, because it's very rare that you can have somebody that's not a starter in the team, but you could make the argument of being the best player of their position in the NFL already. Some of the tape that he's shown has just been absolutely ridiculous. And I think it's more a kind of seniority thing of the Eagles saying, like, these guys have been here longer, so they start. But it's lit a fire under Fletcher Cox. He'd, he'd two Reggie White hump moves and the same player in the game to, to get in in the quarterback. And he's been kind of energised by bringing in these younger players at defensive tackle. Kind of scary as well for the rest of the NFC in the sense that they're able to keep these players fresh. So late in the season, Jalen Carter hopefully won't have hit a rookie wall. Jordan Davis, you're able to keep him fresher. Listen, if Jalen Carter comes up against a rookie wall, I feel very, very sorry for that rookie wall. It's getting demolished. <laughs> but but that, the interior of that defensive line is... You know, multiple players deep in terms that that could start for most teams in the NFL, and that's just going to allow them to keep them fresher. Which, when it gets into December and you know teams start to focus more on the run and all those things, that level of freshness in their interior defensive line is going to be an issue for people. Yep, um, it was a week off close. One scoring games or blowouts across the board, pretty much. The Cowboys destroyed the Patriots. How Mac Jones stayed in that game as long, who knows? I wonder if he'll play next week or if it's zappy time. Probably not. Um, the Chargers Raiders was quite a good game. McDaniels going for field goals and all sorts of malarkey. They're just an absolute shambles. <laughs> I God, think he's on the way out. The Vikings was a, a quite a good game against the Panthers in the end. The Panthers didn't show up in the second half and saw that one through. Texans, credit to them, totally blown out the Steelers. I don't think many people saw that. Credit to CJ Stroud as well. The, the Texans um, are like, the Texans might be the best team in the AFC South right now. Their offense is yeah. good. I think if you said to the majority of players in the NFL, what, what coach would you really like to play for? I think the majority of them are going to come back and say, D'Amico Ryans is the coach I want to play for. You yeah. can you can see it in the sideline, how the kind of passion that he has. And I think he... It's, I don't know if it's either kind of overhyped in the sense of, oh, this manager or this coach could really get his players fired up. You're meant to be professional. You're meant to get yourselves fired up. But I think Ryan's has that special kind of aura about him that I think players will raise their game for him. Um, 
and it's, it's maybe not. It's a surprise that Houston have maybe done that so early. You, you think maybe like 10, 12 games into the season you'd get a performance like that, but credit to them, did well. It's a little yeah. bit like the so the Lions obviously have Dan Campbell as the players love to play for him coach, the Texans of D'Amico Ryans. And I don't think that works on its own. I think you have to pair that with someone who's you know good at creating things on offense. So the Lions have that in Ben Johnson. The Texans, Ryans took Bobby Sloak with him from San Francisco. So it's that San Francisco type of offense. And those two things go hand in hand pretty well in the sense that, you know, they're they, the Texans offense with Nico Collins. Nico Collins is on pace to have like 1,800 yards this season as a receiver. Um, Tank Dells looked really good, young receiver there. And CJ Stroud has got better every single week. And like they, they're going to really push Jacksonville in that division, I think. Yeah. The, I think that contrary to that, I was watching the Giants game and I was thinking, I don't think players want to play for Dable. The guy looks just on the sideline. It looks like he doesn't want to be there. Because Pete Carroll, somebody that G's up his players, he'll, he'll talk to them coming off the field. What happened here? Don't worry, we'll get you back on. But and then Dable having that issue with Jones, like what were you doing? That's that's not how you how you motivate your, that quarterback. Um, yeah. Do you think that's the players that want to play for the head coach are not wanting to play for the quarterback though? Like, do the do you think that the, the rest of the Giants team have bought into Daniel Jones, or are they thinking like? I, they don't, like they, the I, don't, I don't think they've got an issue with Jones. Jones Jones shows like he's tough out there. Some of the runs that he makes when he mm. should be sliding and he doesn't. I don't think the players have got an issue with Jones. Dable looks like Dable and Wink Martindale look like they're actually coaches in the the British league. Um, they don't look like they're NFL coaches. They look like they 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 on a Sunday they decide to go into a freshers or a I don't know what bizarre chain pubs people go through for car it, It's it's hyperbole, but like at times it's as if all Wink Martindale knows how to do is blitz. And this was the same. Like this drove people in Baltimore insane when he was there, and like he puts his cornerbacks in really tough positions. Just leaves them on an island. You blitz if if you're even a little bit late. You're just putting so much stress in your defensive backs. And I don't you when you blitz that much, you're playing for variance. And the Giants have been on the wrong end of that a little too much this year. Yeah, right. Well, we've been prattling on for a while, so let's jump to the awards because um, we'll cover off some of the other games as we do that. There's two themes in the awards nomination this week. So we'll we'll pick on some of the the scattered nuggets around the edges. Uh, David Montgomery gets one from Kieran coming off an injury and runs the ball right down Green Bay's throat with 32 carries for 121 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Bob Mays gives it to Dak Prescott just simply because beating the Patriots is always a good thing. And Alan Martin gives it to Devin Witherspoon Monday night football in New York. Lights on. What a show he put on. And he's a rookie. Do you nothing for Khalil Mack? I do, actually. I've got one for Khalil Mack, Paddy Kelly. Six sacks and still looked like he was in third gear, one of the most dominant players in the last decade. And rather ironic, he does it against the Raiders. Even, also even another... more ironic because he looked done the first three weeks in the season. Yeah, like, ESPN had a stat out that like he he basically hadn't won a pass rush rep. And it's not, it's not entirely true because ESPN, um, it's based on timing and stuff like that so if it happens after a certain point it just doesn't count as, as winning your block um, so he wasn't quite as bad as that but he was bad the first three weeks and then all of a sudden 6-6 six, six. there you go yeah Stephen Bryson and Lee give it to Puka Nakua Stephen says amazing start to the season nominated for the video of him running to the locker to get his game ball just in time which was a great bit of content so well done there um then everything else is for a combination of Josh Allen, the Bills, uh, and Diggs gets a mention in there as well. So Cameron Christie gives it to Allen and Diggs. Managed to light up what was probably the best team over the first three weeks. After that playoff incident and the season opener, it appears it's back to business for them as one of the best QB wide receiver duos in the league. Sarah Taylor says, brilliant game for Josh Allen. Impressive passing yards, four carries, one rushing touchdown. Think he might be my favourite quarterback to watch. Beyond that, 
two Bills fans that we know of with lengthy submissions. Uh, and I would have read them in full, but unfortunately we've ran out of time. So um, I'll be accused of having an agenda, but uh, so be it. This has been a long one. But needless to say, uh, Jason Hoffman, Phil Spears, both of them nominating their Buffalo Bills, quite right too. Quite right too, because there was a lot of hyperbole rattled off about the Dolphins and they got smacked down by the much more impressive Buffalo Bills. The only other person to get nominated is Christian McCaffrey, who comes in with five different nominations. All of which Uh, were from Cameron. None of which were from me. Uh, Johnny Bailey says, special player, another four touchdowns and 170 plus scrimmage yards in one game. Getting silly now. He's a generational talent. Glad I got to see him in London for the Panthers. The only other person that gives it to anything else is John Blair, who gives it to the Niners organization. (laughs) They deserve a break, right? Because they got their trade wrong for the bloody Lance deal. But still, uh, proving that a mid-season trade can and does work, probably one of the best ever. Obviously, I'm talking about Christian McCaffrey. Um, So, who is your belter of the week for week four? Some combination of the Bills. Yeah. Just, I think they're right. Like, the... Our, our resident Bills fans, uh, before the season, their frustration was that everyone was talking about the Jets. Now it's everyone was talking about the Dolphins. They were unable to shut up the um, Jets hype in the, the season opener, but they very much shut up the, the Dolphins hype in this one. Yes. They look good. They, they look like a team that four weeks in, if you're, if you're the Bills, four weeks in, all you want to make sure is, are you still a Super Bowl contender? And they very much are. And they're top two, right? The Sam and the Chiefs in the conversation right now from the AFC, based on performances. I think I think so. I, like A little bit of that, though, is based on past performances, too. I, yes, I, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. I, I think right now I would probably put... So caveat to this is that a week ago I would have picked the Dolphins as the best team in the AFC. Now I'd probably pick the Bills. Yeah, well, both the both the yeah both the Bills and the Chiefs lost Week One to a team they weren't expected to lose to, uh, and have bounced back since as well, which shows the, the character uh, we need. The, the Bills have bounced back better than the Chiefs have, though. Like I, f- I feel like the Chiefs don't, they're not there yet. They're not, they're not finding enough on the outside. It, like the offense is Mahomes to Kelsey right now, which is yeah. fine because they're yeah. both very good players. But that's why I think I would probably put the Bills ahead of them right now. Yeah, I the tastiest of tasty. Right now, if I'm picking an AFC Championship game that I want to see, it is Bills Chiefs. I think that your Ravens are in the mix. They if they elevate, they need to prove themselves, like you say, against a better team. But definitely, those are the two teams to watch for sure. Okay, fine. That so you're saying a combination of the Bills, Ian? Anything to add? You players, I think, kind of harshly missed out. They kind of think. AJ Brown, 175 yards receiving. Nobody mentioned him. That's tough on him. Addison Smith with 14 tackles and three sacks, a forced fumble. Nicholas Morrow with 11 tackles, three sacks, no forced fumble. Those guys played well as well. Maybe it's one of those weeks where you had so many good Massive games. Yeah, there was yeah. some massive games. Um, Nico Collins, 168 yards and two touchdowns off of seven receptions against what is a very good Steelers defense. Like... You know, CJ Stroud even the 306 yards and two touchdowns from a rookie. Like it was really, really polished performances. So think, um, lots to I, like here. I, I, I kind of side with the Devin Witherspoon argument. I thought he was phenomenal when I was mm. watching that game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, fine. I, I think though, because there was so many good performers is in that team though, and because they slapped down the. The verbal fans Super Bowl select from week three. Uh, congratulations to the Buffalo Bills. You are the overall combined belter of the week for this week. That means that we've not secured anybody necessarily for team of the week, but is anyone other than Josh Allen in at quarterback? No, I think he was near enough perfect, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. One thing I will say is if... if- Nicholas Morrow, if he, he doesn't name his firstborn uh, tour, then he's uh, missing a trick. <laughs> Indeed. Good. I like um, that. Good. That was good. Right, fine. Josh Allen's in at quarterback. What line are we putting in front of him? Definitely not the Giants. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're, they're, they're on, on par to come, is it come second in the, or is it first overall in NFL records? 
Um, I think the NFL record was like 1952 or something, for, even though they didn't keep sacks. The sub still dug this out as the stat. A um, hundred and something odd sacks given up in a season and the Giants are kind of on par to equal, if not break that. Something to be proud of, right? <laughs> so definitely not the Giants line. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. <laughs> it's always hard to judge the lines. Do the Rams line get a bit of credit, they are a lot better than I expected them to be. I think it's probably the 49ers. I, so, Ian, you're a resident offensive line guru here. I feel like looking around the NFL, offensive line play hasn't been fantastic to start the season. Like, there's obviously, there's some very good players, there's some lines that are doing some good things. But it feels like you've got a couple of good offensive lines at the top and then you've got like a whole bunch of teams whereby one or two good players, a few players just not playing well at all and then like a decent chunk of offensive lines that four weeks into the season just don't look good. I think a lot of the problems is injuries that a lot of the lines have got and it's yeah when they get those injuries, instead of having a direct replacement, it's a replacement who then has to swap with another position who then swaps to another position and it just causes a lack of continuity. You've got four rookie quarterbacks who maybe encourage sacks by holding the ball too long or they don't slide the right way or they don't recognise a coverage or a blitz. Um, so that could probably accelerate that as well. But, I mean, you'd probably have to look at the stats and see what the level of quarterback pressures are at this first four games of the season compared to previous seasons to see if they are holding up or not. Fine. Um, the only name we've had so far, really, Niners. Well, we just go with the Niners line. They were they, pretty good. They, they ran the ball well. They passed, yeah. but like I think the offensive line gave up like three pressures. I think it was. And so. to be to be fair to the Cardinals, the one area that they've been really good on this year. Well, actually, they've actually been a lot better across the board. But they've been good on defense. They have been good on defense. So fine, Niners line. Okay, uh, tight end. I feel picks itself. Uh, anyone other than Mark Andrews? Not for me. That uh, I actually I, I didn't talk about this when we talked about the Ravens when the the one in the back of the end zone where Lamar just floats it over three Browns and basically just lets them go up and win it. Great. Yeah. Uh, the, the, some of the stuff that the Ravens were doing was very nice. Uh, wide receivers is going to be a challenge. Let's do running back. Uh, is it anyone other than Christian McCaffrey? No. David Montgomery. So Montgomery's also in with a shout and unlimited work. God, I don't know how I'm pronouncing his name now. Is it Achan? Is that how it's pronounced? Yeah, Dave Achan. He like he looks like a guy that should have gone in the first round if you were taking a running back in the first round because he's light yeah. and quick. But McCaffrey is like he's so good all round. If it wasn't yeah. for him, I think Bijan's probably the best running back in the NFL already. But like McCaffrey is Benny the good. the hurdle was a that got me up out my seat. Like I actually jumped up at that, which made me feel ridiculous. I'll be honest. I sat down again pretty quickly. He, but he's he's on pace. I, I think he's on pace. I think I looked this earlier this week. I think he's on pace to break the single season yards from scrimmage record. Um. Which means he'll be getting injured now. Thanks for that, Gordon. I appreciate it. <laughs> I am here to serve. Pacheco played really well for the Chiefs. He's coming through as they're running back. So lots of great performances. Wide receiver, though. So I think I've got it narrowed down to four, and we need to pick one of these four. And the four I'm putting forward, and you could tell me if there's anyone else that I've dissed unnecessarily. But I think the best four, Nico Collins, AJ Brown, Puka Nakua, and Stefan Dix. Oh, you're missing Ayuk. I know he didn't score a touchdown, but like he, he played really well. But like, yeah, the lack of touchdowns there is why I've eliminated them. Like six receptions, 140 yards is a big old game. But we've got McCaffrey in there. We've already got the Niners yes. line, so I'm kind of like, nah. Um, I feel it's three out of those four. But again, I'm happy to have anyone else submitted for consideration. I would definitely Justin Jefferson, called. 85 yards and two touchdowns. You know. Yeah. So, I, I, is it Collins Def and AJ Brown for sure? It's 
so how many how many do we how many do we pick? Is it two? Three. We pick three. We pick three? Okay. Yeah. Three Colin, Collins and AJ Brown. Yes. And then it's one of Ayuk, Nakua, and Diggs. Yeah. I don't think Ayuk's in that conversation because of the touchdowns he didn't get. Uh Picking Nakua, I suppose, you know, nine receptions, 163 yards of the touchdown. How can you ignore Diggs? Six receptions, 120 yards and three touchdowns. He was yeah. a monster. Diggs has to be in that. Sorry, Puka. You got in the weak team a couple of weeks ago. I think based on what we're seeing, he's uh, going to be in again. Although it's going to be really interesting when Cooper Cup comes back. Like, holy hell. <laughs> There's some oh, options in LA. Oh, oh, Stafford so, Stafford's playing well as well. Outside yeah. the Bengals game, I think he was poor, but he's been pretty good. That again, they're going to be a feisty team second half of the year. Yep. I, I borrowed um Gordon's Texas Instruments calculator and used his tiny paws to calculate that Puka Nakua is on course for 165 receptions for 2,129 yards receiving. <laughs> Imagine. And, and four touchdowns, which isn't as impressive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that's our team of the week then. What a team. Josh Allen is our quarterback behind the Niners' offensive line. Mark Andrews is our tight end. Christian McCaffrey is our running back. Nico Collins, AJ Brown, Stephon Diggs are three receivers. That's probably, that's the highest profile caliber team that we've pulled together in a while. Some of the so. top players really showed up this week, really showed up. Fine. Okay. So there you go. A couple of rants. Um, there's not a massive amount here. There's a few things we can't really touch, so we'll not be touching them. Uh, a bit about um, our good friend, Mr. Canada, um, who has perhaps been caught with a burner account. That, that's, some but that's, absolutely, that's absolutely not him, by the way. Like, that's uh, like, it's not. <laughs> it's a great story. It's definitely not him. What that probably is, though, is a concerted campaign by certain people to make it seem like it's him to try and get him fired. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Mike, Mike Tomlin. <laughs> well, Mike Tomlin's the one guy who has the power to do it and doesn't seem to want to. And long may Matt Canada's reign continue. Yes. <laughs> uh, Mark McEwen talks about the UK commentators on the London game. Again, he's just not feeling it. Also, looks like the NFL may have killed the Golden Goose for these games. It's too expensive and they're too often leading to loads of spare seats. Suspect fewer games in London and more in Germany in the future unless there is a change. Um, the expense, I'll say this, I bought tickets for the game that were uh, about 30% more expensive than they were last year. I then couldn't make the game and put them on a res on the official re resale. So I lost my admin fee booking because uh, I had to sell them at cost again. But I want to do it the right way. I only sold them a couple of days before the game actually happened. Uh, I'll be honest, I was worried they weren't going to sell. Yeah. Whereas I feel like the other games at the much lower capacity Spurs Stadium wouldn't be a bother. And I think if there's any adjustment there, it's there's, moving from Wembley and playing them all in Spurs. There's plenty, the avail there's plenty available for Spurs, though. Oh, is there? Like, yeah, right, yeah, okay. you, can, you can, for reasonable prices. Jeez. So maybe maybe the the appeal is starting to wear off. Um, I'd, I'd been, I'd been uh, arguing over the last couple of years that Germany was going to supersede the UK just because of how passionate the fans were and they, and they were starved. And there's antipathy within the UK fraternity. There's, people seem to be very spoiled and they get very upset about the kind of smallest things where previously they never had access to NFL before. Now we're, we're spoiled by what we've got. But we are in a cost of living crisis. Going to London is incredibly expensive. There are train strikes. You can keep listing variety of reasons why but there was definitely empty seats but they still reported eighty five thousand people being in attendance when clearly eighty five thousand people were not in attendance. Yeah. Um so it'd be interesting to know what the actual figure was rather than the Celtic figure. Yeah. Yeah. Um the other one that I'm going to call out here, because we're really pushing it for time, we've been prattling on for ages, but I know that Gordon will appreciate this. Sarah Taylor says, 
Who the actual fuck cares about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey? Get her to fuck off my screen and get back to the game. It's getting boring, and let's be honest, her music is mediocre at best. I feel better getting I feel much better getting that off my chest. Thanks. Oh, so I will I will accept No, I actually I'll accept all of that. I understand that it's a bit annoying that they keep focusing on her. Like I said, it gets far more entertaining when you think that there's a conspiracy theory on why she picked that game to go to, which is really good. And you know what? I'll even accept the mediocre music thing. I have accepted in my old age that my music and movie taste is not for everyone. Not, I'm not, I'm not out here looking for highbrow uh, content when it comes to that. I just want stuff I enjoy. Well, you, who's you been who's that. been attacking your movie tastes? Oh, like I I like a rom com. Well, an interest of balance. Sarah Taylor needs to tell us who her musical. Um, who would she rather Travis Kelsey was dating? Yeah. Is what well, I'd like to know. Yeah. Well, I, I want to know who Sarah Taylor's favorite musical act is, and give Gordon the chance to reply. And I think it's only about, fair. Yep, it's only fair. Only fair. Sarah, do let us know uh, either on social media ahead of the next episode or use your run next week to tell us and we'll we'll let uh, Gordon pass judgment. Listen, um, well, can you imagine if it was Paul's favourite musical act that was up in that booth? It would be someone like uh, E or Kano or one of the London grind crew. Last week we had him going on talking about Skeng Mang that and I'm Paul Mitchell, I'm from the roads, don't diss the ends. And we were just like, what is he talking about? Paul Drill Mitchell. <laughs> um, did you talk about Usher last week? I guess uh, I did, yeah. A couple, couple of weeks ago, I think. I don't know if we talked about him last week. I think it was Fine. two weeks ago. Fine. Paul, said, Paul said he was uh, not popular anymore, washed up, not being successful since the early 2000s. And then Paul went on to talk about Usher and not talk about himself anymore. He made, Yeah, he made, he made the rubbish like cinema slash theater joke and it was like all right paul we all saw that coming as soon as the announcement came out the first thing we thought was paul's going to make one of those terrible jokes <laughs> well the good news is we'll wheel him back out next week because the the tampa bay rays will be out of the playoffs by that point and he'll have none better to do so uh that is the full-time whistle though for this episode um if you're going to london look out for any of us we'll be down there mixing about um, enjoy the games we hardly touched on the week five preview we'll let the games do their own talking we'll be back instead next time to pick apart all the pieces once again but wait because I almost did it again we need to pick winners for the first four weeks of our belter I almost forgot again I've got it written down so pause we've gone into overtime so uh, we'll take turns at so this is that, is that pause as in P-A-U-S-E or is that as in pause going we're going to take game? a Tiny pause, tiny pause at the moment and go into overtime. Um, right, so let's do this in reverse order. Week four. So, Gordon, I need you to give me a number between 1 and 24. Let's go for... got to make it smart, don't you? You can't just pick a number. Yeah, Paul, Paul's not here, so let's go for the number six. Number six, okay. So, number six, scroll down here. Cameron Christie, congratulations. Bottle of whiskey coming your way, sir. Right, we need to do the week three one. So for that one, uh, Ian, I need a number between one and 19. I am going to choose number 17, which is the exact number of provinces represented in the People's Party of China, where Paul is currently paying service. (laughs) Alan Morton, congratulations. Bottle of whiskey coming to you, sir. Right, week two winner. Um, we had a few more people taking part in week two because I actually gave them notice on like week three where I forgot until the very last minute. So you get a number between one and 33, Gordon. Let's go four. Let's go pretty much down the middle and uh, let's go with our Buffalo Bills favourite, Josh Allen's number 17. Number 17, uh, Brian Milne. Congratulations to Brian. You're also winning a bottle of Loch Lomond Stramash whiskey and two tumblers. And then finally, week one, we always start on an absolute flyer. So we're going to say the number between one and 42, Ian. 
I am going to go with the number of lovers that Charles has disappointed in his lifetime and go with 39. <laughs> Eddie Cassidy, congratulations. You are also a winner of a bottle of whiskey and two tumblers. We'll get those all organised and they'll be with you very, very soon, probably sometime between week five and week six fixtures. Um but do continue to nominate in our belter every week. It's always the same URL. I usually get this out on a Tuesday. Sometimes I forget and I do it on a Wednesday. But either way, we'll make sure that we get it out. We tweet it. Share your thoughts. You go into the drop. You could win a bottle of Loch Lomond um, whiskey and two tumblers. Many thanks to Loch Lomond for sponsoring our belter. And let's be honest, we have to thank them as well for sponsoring our pick pick them this year as we once again are looking to pick the pick king or queen of scotland we've not given an update on this for a little bit so let me just bring that up at the moment do remember to make your picks every single week so top at the moment with an impressive 47 to 17 is daniel jones locker so daniel jones is the top of something so congratulations there we've then got good name is a good name. We've got PBHII's picks and Ace 45, both with 46 and 18. Then we've got a whole bunch of people on 45 and 19, including uh, Jerry Bowlers, who is our two-time pick king champion. He's always in the mix. Brian Dando, he's up there again. Um, I've had a look to see if I can see anybody from the podcast. There is nobody on the first page at all. No, I, I'm on page three, I think. And, and I, like, people are doing really well. I'm I'm on page four. I'm on page two. So I'm on page two with my 42 and 22 record. Th- 37 and 27, and I am. Um, I think Paul's improved his ones. Unfortunately, they're not all named in a way that it's easy to spot. Um, Paul was way down. He was on the last page at one point, but I think he's... Oh, actually, he's tied with me now, I think. Yeah, uh, so he's up to 104th on... Yeah, 37 and 26. He must have got his son to start doing his picks for him as well as his fantasy team. Hang hang on, though. Congratulations, Paul. Paul has got 37 correct, but he's only got 26 wrong. He must have missed one. Some point along the way. This, to be fair, this is a fair criticism. This is my rant of the week. ESPN's Peckham thing, it drops them out. You put them in and sometimes they they click back out again. So you've got to click them all, scroll down to the bottom, see that it says this week it's 14 out of 14 picked saved and then save it every week yes. it drops out to him and you've got to go back in yes i agree do that i agree we will we will maybe look in the off season for an alternative uh pick em format because i've fallen foul of this as well but anyway keep making your pickums. ultimately thank you to lock Lomond for all of the sponsorship thank you to you for listening to this continue to share all your thoughts with us on social media join our patreon and you can join our patreon whatsapp group there's lots of chat going on in there all the time all of those details can be found online but until next time thanks for listening enjoy your football enjoy the sports stadium if you go we'll speak to you next week but bye for now 